Welcome everyone, this is Russ Gazel, Chronicles of the End Times. Thank you for being with me today. The type of evil that brings about unspeakable and horrific acts is a demonic evil. It's a true wickedness. And I know that many don't believe in the spiritual realm. But in reality, what we're seeing and what's being reported on major news broadcasts such as CNN, what they're finding in these kibbutzes now is beyond horrific. Children, infants, decapitated. That type of hate isn't generated only from a person's mind. That type of deep satanic evil only comes from the dark realm. It's being compared to the Holocaust, some of the things that they're discovering. And for those who do not believe in the darkness, who do not believe in the spiritual world, they cannot comprehend what I'm talking about. The principalities and powers that Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians and in other books of the Bible is a greater darkness than anyone can imagine. That is the author of hate, the author of lies, Satan himself. He has always hated Israel for carrying the Messiah seed, for bringing the Savior into the world. He tried everything he could to destroy them, and he's still on the warpath. When you read some of the things people are saying on social media, and even some government officials on the news, that Israel has provoked the Palestinians, and this is why all this is happening. When you hear people talk like that, you understand the hatred that is in them as well. This is a separate group of people, Hamas and Hezbollah and Boko Haram and terrorist groups like them dedicated themselves to evil. They want to see the destruction of Israel. They want to see other nations come into this war. They don't care who dies. They feel that this is how we're supposed to be. This is what their God wants from them. And we know who that God is. This is not a group of people protesting for human rights. This is way beyond that. We need to be aware that this type of evil exists, and we see it resurfacing as it did during the days of Hitler. As we continue to look at the war in Israel, today we're going to talk about the three major battles that are ahead of us in the future. And what are the implications to that, and what does it mean, and where does that fit, or even does it fit? in Bible prophecy, and what these three battles are, and we're going to take a look at the scriptures that describe these battles. There are many changes that are going to take place in the very near future, and actually are taking place as we speak today. Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, some of you may be familiar with that, and may have heard teachings about it. It's very important that we understand that this battle is different from the other two battles that will take place. So let's take a quick look at them. In the War of Gog and Magog, which is described in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, there are some major differences between the other two battles. And what are they? The most well-known battle is Armageddon. But the Battle of Armageddon is specific. That is the Antichrist and the Western forces of Europe and the United States, unfortunately, against the kings of the east. And that battle takes place on the plains of Megiddo in northern Israel. And during that battle, Christ Jesus returns with the armies of heaven and the armies of this world 
return to battle Christ at his coming. And he is going to destroy them by his authority and by his holiness. Then the third battle is at the end, at the end of the millennial reign. We have the battle of Armageddon, and then we have the restoration of the world and the return of Israel. And after this thousand-year reign, the Lord is going to release Satan once again, who was bound at the conclusion of the battle of Armageddon. And he goes out once again to tempt the nations. Now, there are several major differences between these battles. In the battle of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, it is not the combined nations of the world, but it is the Arab nations that come against Israel. We can see today the hate for Israel and hatred around the world is growing. The numbers keep rising in Israel, how many have died. As they find more and more bodies, the numbers are also rising in Gaza. The world is going to shift its attention, not to the atrocities that happened to Israel, but their retribution. And the Lord says in the last days, he's going to cause these nations to come together, the Arab world coming together, Russia as the lead, and they will invade Israel, and God will deliver them. But in this invasion, there will become a great void. But instead of Israel turning to the Lord through all of this, they will turn to the false Messiah. It will be the rise of the Antichrist, and he will create a seven-year deal with them, and he will protect them, or he says he will. It will be a great deception. And what does the Word of God say about that? In Isaiah chapter 28, beginning with verse 16. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. He's talking about Jesus Christ, of course. He is the true Messiah. But then it goes on to explain what Israel will do and deny their true Messiah and accept the false Messiah. And beginning in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 18, the Lord says, Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the grave will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away. Morning after morning, by day and by night, it will sweep through. He's talking about the covenant of death, the seven-year agreement that Israel will make with the Antichrist, their false messiah. They will trust in him instead of the Lord, and that will cost them dearly. So how does this get set up? So who are these nations in this first battle that we seem to be so close to at this moment? Let's look at chapter 38 of Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face against Gog and the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out, your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, fully armed, and a great horde, a large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, Cush, and Put will be with them, all with their shields and helmets, also Gomer, with all its troops, and Beth Togomar from the far north, with all its troops, and many nations with you. So who are these nations? Magog. According to the first century Jewish historian Josephus, the land of Magog was inhabited by the Scythians, and the Scythians lived throughout Central Asia. 
the Scythians were known to live above the Caucasus. They were part of Russia. Rosh. So who is Rosh in this situation? Rosh is the remote part of the north. Because of this, most interpreters identify Magog as Russia. Meshach and Tubal. Noted together in this passage, this area is located in the part of what is known as modern-day Turkey. Persia, well, we know where that is. This is the land of modern Iran and Iraq. Kush is the land translated as Ethiopia. Today, this could be referred to as Sudan. Put is a land known today as Libya. Gomer and Beth Togomar are modern Turkey. Rosh is the remote part of the north part of Russia and the former Soviet Union. There's much to be said about this. What we want to define today is what makes this war different? Why is this war not the Battle of Armageddon? Why is this war not the final battle that Revelation describes? In Revelation, it talks about Gog and Magog and the final battle after the millennial reign of Christ, how the nations gather together and come against Jerusalem. But in that battle, Revelation tells us that fire falls from heaven and literally licks them off the ground, which ushers in the final judgment, the great white throne judgment. In this battle, in Ezekiel, is quite different. It gives us great detail on what happens after the battle of Ezekiel 38 and 39. It says, Those who live in the towns of Israel will go out and use weapons for fuel and burn them up the small and large shields, the bows and arrows and the war clubs and spears. For seven years, they will use them for fuel. They will not need to gather wood from the fields or cut it from the forest because they will use the weapons for fuel and they will plunder those who plundered them and loot those who looted them, declares the Lord. On that day, I will give Gog a burial place in Israel in the valley of those who travel eastward towards the Mediterranean Sea. It will block the way of travelers, because Gog and all his hordes will be buried there. So it will be called the Valley of Hammon Gog. For seven months the house of Israel will be burying them, in order to cleanse the land. All the people of the land will bury them, and the day I am glorified will be the memorial day for them, declares the Sovereign Lord. Men will be regularly employed to cleanse the land. Some will go throughout the land in addition to them. Others will bury those that have remained on the ground. At the end of the seven months, they will begin their search. As they go through the land and one of them sees a human bone, he will set it up and marker beside it until the grave diggers have buried it in the valley of Hamangog. So in this upcoming battle, this first battle that the Bible describes in Ezekiel 38 and 39, it is different from the others. It talks about seven years that they will be burning the weapons for fuel. It talks about burying the dead, finding the bodies for months and months afterwards. That's different from the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon comes after the seven-year period of the tribulation, in which we just read about in Isaiah, the seven years that this covenant of death that Israel signs with the false messiah. The first three and a half years are going to be the reign of the Antichrist and gaining power over the world and the world turning to him and trusting him. And at that midway point, he will be killed, but he will rise again where Satan will actually enter the body of the Antichrist 
and cause a false resurrection to try to duplicate what Jesus Christ did. And the world will all bow to him and be absolutely amazed and in awe. And that's when things will really turn bad, when God will begin to pour out all his wrath in those three and a half years and all the vials and all the trumpet judgments and all the things we read about in Revelation will fall upon the earth. And the tribulation ends with the battle of Armageddon, with Christ returning with the armies of heaven and defeating Satan and then binding him and casting him into the abyss for a thousand years. Let's jump ahead to Revelation chapter 20. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sands of the seashore. They march across the breadth of the earth and surround the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we see this final battle in Revelation chapter 20 is completely different from any other battle that's taken place prior. There's no afterward. Many people get this confused because Gog and Magog being used in this chapter as it was in Ezekiel 38 and 39. But if we read it, compare it, we can see that it is vastly different in its ending. In this battle that is soon to come, that is described by Ezekiel in these chapters, is where this political vacuum is created and the Antichrist steps in. So the ends of these three battles are quite different. Therefore, most believe, as I do, that these are distinct three battles and that the battle described in Ezekiel 38 and 39 is just around the corner. And that's why this current war, Israel against Hamas and the other terrorist groups, just may be the open door that these nations are looking for to bind together and finally destroy Israel. Now, this is not going to happen overnight, but it could easily turn against Israel. In fact, it's happening already. So could this next battle be just around the corner? It is possible. And if this battle is just around the corner, then how close is the coming of Christ? You and I should take advantage of this time. It's a time to show our love for people. It's time to declare the word of God. It's time to lead people to Jesus Christ. The harvest is truly ready. And if the church focuses on the mission of Jesus Christ that he gave us in Matthew 28 to make disciples of all nations, God will open the doors for us and there will be a major harvest from all nations. That is our task. That is our mission. That is what the Holy Spirit desires for us to do. So as we look at the news, let's keep our heads up and stay on course to winning people for Jesus Christ declaring his love and his truth that there is a judgment coming but they can be saved from it this is Russ Galsall Chronicles the End Times keep looking up King is coming